minutes after 7 o'clock here. 7.02 on Throwback Thursday, Thursday, August 27th. Good morning. Thank you for finding the podcast edition of the show. Um, we got to play a lot of music on the show and some commercials as well. Neither of those things are on the podcast, so we get to uh, drop some words that we can't and definitely shouldn't say on the air, but we can do that here on the podcast, and we can talk <laughs> at length about uh, about certain things that are happening in the world locally, nationally, regionally, universally. I'm all about what's happening at Neptune right now. Neptune? I'm sure there's something happening. Oh, I, I swear to God, I thought you were going to say we get to have titty talk or talk about our fun bags. Oh, no, you no. didn't. Though. Well, when you go uh, bra shopping again, but titty talk is, is mostly strictly a Friday thing with with Bethany. Oh, yeah, listen, she can have it. Rest assured, if uh, if Thomas ever puts one in you, we will do an <laughs> Alex edition of titty talk. <laughs> Jesus, let's not talk about that. Um. Uh, Floyd's out. Floyd has to do. Floyd's got to be at Sephora. Floyd's got to be at the shop early today, so he's off today and tomorrow and next Thursday. So it's just Alex and I this morning. Did you? I think I sent uh, a bit of a bit of a prep email to your work email. Did you get it? No. When did you do that? Uh, early this morning. Early this. Oh, let me no. just make sure that I did send it. Yeah, I did send. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alexandria, uh, a a Thomas at at yourworkplace.org. So it, we can. Did you not get it, or did you not see it? I had. I hadn't seen it. Oh, well, give that a look real fast. Uh, there's nothing major. Nothing that you've got to put like a billion uh, brain cells into. Uh, and we'll get to the NBA stuff in a moment, and and the other sports stuff as well. So if I jump out. Of the if I jump off the internet like to a different web page, it will uh, log me off the show. Okay, all right. We'll just sit tight. Um, yeah, we'll get to the NBA stuff, which was uh, larger than I went to bed. It was one thing, and it was much larger and widespread when I woke up because I go to bed at like well, I was in bed at six forty-five. I didn't fall asleep till like eight thirty or so. Um, we'll do that second. There's uh, there's an Amelia Clark story. Macaulay Culkin tweeted, and it uh, it it didn't it rankled people only because of what he said, and it and it made mm. people reflect. Katy Perry had her kid. Uh, somebody. Oh, she did. Yeah, she did, and she's been foreshadowing the name all along. It was right under our nose, and uh, I have an OnlyFans question because uh, somebody broke it, and and I have a question to throw at you. But first, um. We'll do NBA second, I promise, and, and professional sports at large in one second. But uh, there's an, a part two to the uh, Tony Diaz story, which I think you and I have, have talked about a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I think we talked about it. You were with us when we talked about it a month or so ago when we got word that he was planning to run for city council. He announced that run for city council on Tuesday. Uh, there was a story in The Blade by Liz Scalka, and uh, she pointed out that, that uh, some people might have an issue that he used to be a strip club owner. I don't, uh. care. I don't care about that. And then uh, today, the second part of the story is Kate Snyder, another uh, reporter for The Blade, added into that. Um, she got some quotes from him about his possibly problematic, um, questionable social media posts that came to light. That somebody put uh-huh. on my radar. And I want to read some of them. Um, and then I'll tell you what he said about them. And to his credit, he did not delete them. Okay. Um, I, I think that there is... It, there's either stubbornness in that and and hubris, or uh, hey, uh, look at look at me head to toe and, and evaluate me that way. So there's a uh, 
I love me some Aunt Jemima when Aunt Jemima was being changed. Okay. Uh, he posted another thing that, in my opinion, police departments all across America should go on strike since nobody likes them because of a few bad apples. Let's see how long it will take before anarchy and disorder everywhere. Uh, next up, this is disgusting. I would have ran them all over when he was talking about protesters and a big truck rolling through them. Um, let's see. Uh, I would have run them over, backed up, and run them over again. Bunch of M U N U K E S. What does that mean? Manukes. Oh. 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 Uh, no. Somebody. He, he didn't say that. Somebody tagged him in that. My apologies. Oh. Um. Let me see. So I get his words correct. Um, he said freeways are for cars and trucks, not pedestrians. These protesters are taking advantage of the chaos. Um, cause I'm sick, cause I'm sure, pretty sure these people weren't six feet away. So he was just very much against how people were protesting. And I think on the scale of like one to 10, 10 being, I think Hitler was right. This, these things are about a three or a four if you're going to run for any kind of office. Now, he didn't know he was going to do that at the time, but I do applaud him for leaving them up for people to evaluate. And he said, these things, when I said these things, they shouldn't be taken literally. And like Floyd and I talked about yesterday, it's how I kind of want to Thanos snap people mm-hmm. off the earth. In my opinion, I think the people that I want to go are bad. He thinks these people are bad. Um, and I get falling back on don't take it literally. Um so I would say this. Again, these were not the most egregious things someone could say, even if they're running for office. But now I'd like to to see how he acts in, in this campaign, and I'd really like to dissect his words. Yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, I, I don't... I think people who have an issue with the fact that he was a strip club owner, because, well, first of all, I don't think that that's relevant in my opinion. Like, if he had a business and he ran it professionally and safely without, you know, being sleazy or shady. Like if if there's no city violations or, you know what I mean? Things that I want to say were preventable or, you know, if there wasn't, if there was things out of the ordinary related to his business then fine. But the fact that it was just a strip club, like come off it, it's fine. You know, it's a business, you know, you know, that's how I met Thomas. So I'm absolutely not like, not opposed to it. it. If anything, it probably would work against. So I guess he's kind of running or leaning as a Republican or with right. more of those values. And you would think that those people, old, older Republicans, might not jibe with that a whole lot. So it actually could um, work against who he would lean towards. But right. yeah, I mean, th- of all the things that are, this is 2020. This is this is one of them. And in a weird way, this kind of connects to the OnlyFans story later on. Now, I get that you people might want to associate um, uh, strip clubs with drugs and prostitution and all that stuff. But right. Let, let, let the, the Blade people dig that stuff up to see if that's legitimate. But if he was just a, if that even happened at all. But if he was just running a normal business where people were half naked, so damn well be it. Good for him. Sure. That's what I say. So, I, I mean, as far as his business, I'm like, meh. You know, unless there's like like you said, unless there's like drugs or prostitution happening, which it which is possible because it, it is a strip club. And like I would say like 60 percent of strip clubs operate that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but we don't know. So let's not let's not talk. You know, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. Yep. When it comes to his social media posts, though, for me, they are they could they're more like a five. Like if I were to okay. do like a scale of one to 10 only because I feel like 
if we're just judging him based on what he said, my thought is, what is he not saying on social media? If he, like, clearly this is what he, he, clearly he hasn't said anything. I mean, he chose to talk about that compared to sharing his views on like why, you know, Black Lives Matter could be important or why, like, I'm always a little, I always give people the side eye. And in Mr. Diaz case, these things happened before his son passed. Yeah. So I'm not like judging him on his son passed. He's going through a ton of stuff. He's very defensive of the police right now. Um, And, you know, I always give people a little bit of a side eye when they choose to talk about, talk badly about like how people are viewing police or things like that without addressing like what the police are actually doing. I'm an I believe firmly that you are not in support of the police and you do not back the blue if you don't challenge and question them because it's a matter of their safety at this point. Like our world is evolving to the point where if you don't like challenge officers and those that you love and those that you know about what are you doing about community policing, please treat people fairly because your life is going to be in danger now. You know what I mean? He, or he is de- he is deeply emotionally connected to it when these comments were made because of his son. So right. I I exclude some of what you're talking about from him having to do that because again it, it's a, he he sees his son before the uniform. Now the I, I don't I don't nobody looked at his Facebook page or shared Facebook page stuff mm-hmm. after what happened to his son, um, and maybe that made him reflect in some ways and become more balanced. Sure, I, I don't know, but. he's he will be watched closely now and he should be he will and that was a long rant uh, like long rant in the other direction of just his the posts are a little for me they're a little worrisome i would wonder like what is beyond them or what what are his true thoughts on some of these things compared to like and it was just something he posted like don't take it literally like in and nowadays in my opinion nowadays like you can't just post something like that and then run for some kind of office and then say, don't take it literally because things are so polarized. You know what I mean? So people are going to look at it and they're going to be like, okay, well, what else does he think? Well, and I think that's fair. I think I, that's fair for us to try to figure that out. Yeah. And so while I, I, I'm glad he, I'm glad uh, Kate spoke to him and got <laughs> some quotes from him. Again, I applaud him for leaving them up. Uh, I am, right. I am, yeah. some, I am someone because it, it lets us evaluate uh, evaluate him and and all this. It's not a snapshot. It's a it's a big tapestry of him now, uh, right. because when you delete something, we immediately go, "What are you hiding?" And we become more skeptical. That's why I do my best um, to not delete things on social media un- mm-hmm. unless I was completely wrong. Or like it's very rare I will ever delete something. Not not that I say things that are, are offensive or insensitive or by any of the stuff that people have talked about. I try to leave my stuff up there so that if there is a moment of growth, I can go back and go, I used to say this, but now here I, I was corrected. So let's see. I mean, he's got a very short period of time um, to reconstruct his mindset and what he mm-hmm. might have thought. Because I think you bring up the best point that I have not considered. If he says this here, what's he maybe thinking otherwise? And if someone has those those hateful thoughts, the, the ignorant thoughts, uh, I don't think that they'd be a good representative on city council. But maybe he's he's probably reflected on a great deal of things since his since what happened to his son. I agree. I agree. And I and I and I love the 
I love the fact, even if, it, even if he's somebody that I don't agree with and I can, and I probably like, there are things that I may agree with him on, but I can tell you right now, there's probably going to be a ton that I don't just based on what direction I feel like he's going in. But I appreciate, and I really do like the fact that it's somebody who has had real life experience that now wants to make some sort of a difference. Um, now I don't, and I, and I enjoy that no matter who you are. Um, so like Trayvon Martin's mom, you know, I think she also went for some sort of counsel or some, or some sort of leadership position, but this was well after he passed away. In Mr. Diaz case, I, I mean, just from the, from my like professional mental health perspective, I feel like there hasn't been enough time that has passed. So, you know what I mean? That, that process may be muddied into what he's trying to do here and his decisions so at the same time, it could still drive him in a direction that may be, I don't know, biased or, or, or I don't know, just that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm going with it. But at the same time, I do very much appreciate that something happened to him and now he has, you know, he wants to make a difference, you know, for others. And then, um, I also appreciate that he left them up because he's like, I have nothing to hide. This is who I am. Yeah. Judge me how you will. And I think no matter who you are, I don't, you know, even, even though he said things again, that I completely disagree with, you have to respect the fact that he's still holding his own to it. I mean, and he's not, but, but hopefully it doesn't, he doesn't choose to say more, you know, because he's like, well, people, people are cool with it. So I'm going to, you know, say more. And then he turns into like Bedford Township, that Bedford guy or. Being, yeah. <laughs> being provocative, right. um, uh, intentionally confrontational. There's a difference between him and and uh, difference between Todd and, and Mr. Dia. And I know, like to your point, many people have said, "Oh, he's only he's he's trying to capitalize on uh, on what happened to his son." And I look at it the other way to what you said. Yes, it's 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 very likely the catalyst, but maybe he and what he has reflected on since then. I'm looking at it at, at it in, in a positive way, and you can say that I'm right. naive. He is going to be a nexus as a minority, which he is because of you know the mm-hmm. family's Arabic background and the police. He would be he could be a great center point, and he could mm-hmm. use his ethnicity and what his son did and what he supports and bring communities together. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, instead of capitalizing again, he could um, find a way to to prosper and 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 be helpful to a very uh, loud discussion right now, which can I, can I move us into the NBA thing? Yeah, absolutely. So yesterday, I guess around four o'clock, there was word that uh, <coughs> game five between the Bucks, uh, Milwaukee Bucks right near Kenosha, Wisconsin and the Orlando Magic, Magic. Uh, mm-hmm. that they were, they were not, they went back into the locker room. They were not going to play. I And I read boycott and I immediately thought, so the Bucks might be just forfeiting the game because they're leading the series and they're likely to win. But then the other games got pulled. Yeah. Um, and when I woke Baseball, up, this, other, other sports too, right? Yeah. Before I went to bed, uh, there was question whether the Reds and Brewers, Milwaukee Brewers, were going to play. And somebody asked one of the Brewers pitchers and they said, we're going to talk about it. They elected not to play the Mariners. There were three baseball games, two others besides the Brewers Reds that decided not to play. So some, Initial thoughts on this were 
Uh, well, when I woke up this morning, I saw that there are some NBA players, and I guess things are split within the players. And, you know, the older veteran players, the LeBrons and whatnot, might um, win out over the younger players who maybe the money is more important to them at this stage in their career where LeBron can give up everything and never have to work another day in his life. But there's some uh, some discord right now. There's a split whether or not the season, the playoffs at, right. in the bubble will continue because of how important this is to them. So I woke up to that. And then the question I want to ask is, and I this is not snark or, or, or contrast. I wonder what would have happened. See, it was really easy to not play any of these games mm-hmm. with no fans. I think Naomi Osaka also bailed in, what our, uh, when, uh, in the tournament she was in. She did? Yeah, yeah. Shit. So, what, isn't she like 16? Uh, she is young, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for these thi- for these players to go, you know, there are more important things. We're not playing today. When 40,000 people or whatever, 20,000 at an NBA game aren't going to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's easy to do that. And in this way, you know, they impact the sponsors who have paid to be on, you know, a Lakers broadcast on TNT mm-hmm. on Thursday night. The sponsors now need to go, hey, we, we want to see change. Now, maybe they're only doing it so they can keep their pockets lined, but we know... If you want to get stuff done, follow the money. So I wonder if they would have, of all the players, would have done the same thing had had fans been attending, or they would have done something more provocative in the moment. Like I had heard long ago, um, a way for NCAA athletes during March Madness to uh, to combat or to protest not getting paid would, as soon as that ball tips off with thousands of fans in the stadium, to sit down on the court. <gasps> so I wonder how this would have been different if there would have been fans. Not saying they would not have protested in some way, but I wonder what they would have done. You know, I I would like to believe that they are to the point mentally that they would not have, they would not, they still would not have played. Like, I, I feel like it would have been, and it probably would have been much more of a debacle because you've, you have an entire audience that now has to clear out like yeah. <laughs> single file and people are going to be pissed and people will probably be fighting each other. You know what I mean? It, it, but I do feel like for, for me personally, I feel like it probably would not have made a difference at least for one game. I don't know about the entire season. Yeah. I think for the entire, I think for the rest, cause are, are they in the playoffs now? They are in the playoffs. And Jesus, I have not. I mean, if I'm like just in another planet or if it's just because 2020 is so weird, I had no idea. Yeah. And I love the playoffs. <laughs> it's <laughs> weird because uh, some of these games like the Bucks, like some of these games are on in the afternoon because it's not like they're all playing in different arenas. They got to play the game, clean the arena, bring the other mm-hmm. teams in. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I'm with you. So these would have been my questions. Um I, I thought at first, again, is it just going to be a forfeit? But mm-hmm. then there was the cascade effect. And I, I think it may have even been more powerful. That's why I asked whether they would have done it if fans would have been there. Because like you said, then then there could have been some unruliness. Like right. white guy on Twitter who says, I'm never going to, I'm never watching the NBA ever again. Right, burning but, flags out in front of the arena, burning right. um, jerseys. Uh, jerseys. <laughs> I don't think it would have come to that because... Because Twitter guy can sit behind his computer or his phone. It's a little different in person. But it would have been interesting. And I have slowly come around to the idea that peaceful protest doesn't really get the job done. Um, As we've seen, the violent protests, I understand, though I don't condone. And this Mm -hmm. seems to be like right in the middle where there's no violence, but 
Um, bottom lines were definitely affected last night because if you're like Coca-Cola or if you're Nike, and Nike is obviously very pro- proactive anyway, if you're right. a skincare or a beer and you're thinking you're going to have commercials run during the Lakers game at 9 o'clock on a Thursday night, which is prime time, and then all of a sudden your commercial runs during a Charmed rerun, mm-hmm. you're pissed. Well, I, you know, I think that what what where they were probably at mentally yesterday which is also kind of i don't i wouldn't it's not where i was at like i'm not saying i'm gonna walk out of like a million dollar game but i mean the kid the protest the kid went and shot people like that you know yeah the, the white the, kid yeah 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 yeah. He, he went and shot people and so you add on what has happened so they're like you know they're protesting for the jacob blake um, shooting, you know, that's all the headlines. And I said, they're probably protesting because of all of it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Everything that has gone down because here is a white kid went in and shot up, you know, other people protesting for black lives. So it's just, it's a, it's a mess. It, it is a mess. And I can I kind of understand where it's like, especially when in the league, it's a predominantly black sport. These guys are like, you know what? we're not going to fucking sit down and play for you like monkeys. We're not doing that because we have these things that we care about and we need people like there's more important things that we need to be talking about right now. We need people to understand that. And so we're just not going to shut up and do what you say. I I don't know. I don't know if it's so much as that. I'm sure that's a component into their thinking, but I think Mm -hmm. that they also realize um, this is, I've, I've enjoyed this. We, we have a generation of uh, socially minded, socially mm-hmm. conscious uh, young people. It's not just mm-hmm. athletes, uh, but uh, but I was talking to a f- to a friend about uh, like news people and how they they're not biased. Uh, right. They offer their opinions on on issues, and it's good and bad, and it's not like it used to be. But I appreciate. I mean, so it's the whole younger generation, but. Mm-hmm. Um, those people don't have the clout and power to affect change like LeBron James does. Exactly. So I'm curious to see where this goes. And it goes without saying that I, we, we support what they did. And it's not even a matter of um, there are more important things than basketball. Uh-huh. Uh, this is just the most likely the most potent way they can use their voices. I don't I can't remember too many tweets where LeBron has cursed and especially said fuck, but mm-hmm. I so that that made me think as well cuz did you see his tweet? Mm-mm. He said something like I'm fucking done this has to stop. Oh wow. And, and I think LeBron has cursed occasionally before, mm-hmm. but more flippantly like we do. Um so when LeBron James curses on Twitter, it it it's a thing. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't, I'm curious to see where this plays out. I don't know if more games will be played today. I know some NHL players, um, I don't know if we're talking about <laughs> really? the, the few black ones or the white ones were like, <laughs> it, it's not in good taste for us to be playing right now. Cause they want to support their professional athlete brethren, because while they might be Canadian mm-hmm. or Russian, they're still 20 something. And you know, the, the boomers stick together, the millennials stick together. You stick together with your age group and people in your line of work. And so, I feel I feel like what's happening in the U.S. is transcending, you know, cultures and countries. Like there's, there was protesting in major cities, uh, you know, around the world in in June and still into July. And it started from what happened in the U.S. Now they have their own shit that they need to protest about because right. race relations happen everywhere, not just here. But I feel like, you know, 
it it's it was felt so deeply and so now there's such a large connection between what is happening in the u.s and the rest of the world and how we're responding to it um and yeah i'm happy to see it you know i know that you know i i'm one of those people where i'm like i'm glad to see it because things need to happen on a larger scale and it's going to piss off a lot of people but good because yeah. you need to be having the you're have at least you're probably having the conversation you may be arguing with somebody but you're having the conversation that's why i say this is this is what they did was a nice middle ground because yeah. peaceful protest doesn't seem to ever get the job done and and the violent stuff i i know that it can can push people away who might want to support you. And obviously people can get injured. Property is damaged and all that stuff. That's why, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. is what he is, mm -hmm. but he and Malcolm X being the opposite sides of a coin working mm -hmm. together for the same cause brought, mm -hmm. brought a middle together where we, we moved the needle forward just a little bit from 300 years ago. And, and can, <laughs> can you believe four years later from Colin Kaepernick kneeling, this is where we are. Yeah. And it's like, I never would have thought, like, I appreciated what Colin Kaepernick did. I appreciated his follow through and that he's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm kneeling because this is like, our country is not okay. I always felt like kneeling was a sign of respect because in sports, that's what you do when somebody gets, when somebody is injured, or, you or kneel, they, you know what I mean? They, and they, I'm, I agree. They, when they pray after games, absolutely. And I said, and I always said to myself, and I said it to people all all the time. I'm like, first of all, the flag is not just a representation of our military. Each branch of the military has their own flag. Second of all, kneeling is a sign of respect. And so Kaepernick is saying our country is not well, and I need to acknowledge that. And that was what I felt like he was doing. But here we are four years later, and Kaepernick has like, I feel like he hasn't been responsible for everything that's happening, but that he has set a large precedence for how sports and people, you know, for how the sport world is responding to this. And they're all getting behind what he did four years later. I never thought I would see it. Never. He, he, uh, he, I don't know if this is bad imagery or what, but he kicked the door down showing athletes how truly powerful they were. And, he, and also showing them how to make it. So not even just the fact that he's kneeling, but what he's doing off of the court, m putting money into charity having conversations with, with people that can make a difference. I mean, LeBron James is creating a school, you know, for kids in, in Akron and, and a place for them to live so that they have a safe home where they can learn and then go home to safe environments. I mean, these athletes are not just athletes. And it, it just, I'm really proud to see it. And it's just an evolution of what Muhammad Ali was doing and what those other athletes, you know, back in our day, we're stepping in to social issues and using their voice. And it's just an evolution into that, which infuriates me even more when you have, you come across these people that are like, who cares? Just tell them to shut up and do their job. Right. And it's like you, they were people before they were athletes. Like you can't be an athlete until you're at least 18. So that's a solid four years that you probably had to live afraid of the police or knowing exactly who the fuck you were in this world as an African American or as a, black boy or a black girl so it's like sh be quiet <laughs> you know what i mean Just and even then be quiet these athletes uh have had uh inappropriate or or problematic encounters with the police mm -hmm. a couple of milwaukee bucks players yep. um within the last few years so all right let's uh let's slide over to the fun stuff Ooh. um 
which was, let's see, where do I want to start? Uh, did you see the Macaulay Culkin tweet? I didn't. What was that about? He said, want to feel old? I just turned 40. <laughs> he did? Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, when, when Home Alone was 92, right? I think so. Or 93. He's been... He's been something because he was kind of in the death pool for a little bit. I didn't didn't he spiral a little? Didn't he, he have did. some some challenges? Yeah. Like it was it was around the same time there was a lot of Shia LaBeouf drama and chaos, and it was like, oh, I hope Macaulay's okay. He he had the the uh, as Floyd would say the the Pete Davidson like circle under the eyes look, but he did. Yeah, he kind of tailspinned and he became a little like eclectic and. And it was like you would wor- you kind of worried about him because you're like, oh, I hope he doesn't go down that uh, tailspin like some of the others. Right. Um, and then he allowed people to change his name in some kind of Twitter joke. But yeah, he uh, he caught a lot of people's attention yesterday. And I, I had an idea that he was around that age because I knew that we were around the same age. So mm-hmm. it didn't startle me like it did many. But I know that it stopped a lot of people in their tracks yesterday uh with all the th- with all the wild things going on in the world this this kind of in a in a much less serious uh morbid way stopped a lot of people when they're like wow that movie now and that movie is like 28 almost 30 years old and we still Jeez. watch it every year and still n- no Classic. child no child services question those parents at all no <laughs> It's a classic, but it is, you know, um, when I watched it this year, because I do, I will, absolutely, I watch it every year during the holidays. And when I watched it this year, I, I remember Thomas and I were like, damn, that's a big house. What did they do for a living? Like, because right. I'm in a, cause I'm an adult now. And that's the kind of shit I think about where I'm like, that was a gigantic house. How much was their mortgage? Like, yep. I wonder how much they paid for that in that, in that year. <laughs> And and the only well, did they not have home security either? No, no, no. Um, they probably affluent family didn't think they needed it. I'm sure. And and didn't uh, I, didn't some people pause it before? Like I, I love the the parsing and the nitpicking of of movies in a, in a in a funny way. And people do it much much more cleverly than I do it. But didn't people say there was a point where Kevin was attacking the bandits? What Joe and Marty? Yeah. Uh, when he was attacking them, like it crossed the line where it, like Kevin would have been under arrest for some kind of assault or something. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he hit them with paint can like paint cans and, <laughs> and, and like ripped their head off and set their hats on fire. Yeah, like I it, mean, it, it's gone from defending your home into, into like assault and battery and attempted <laughs> murder. But it's really funny. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I remember thinking it at the time when I was uh, like, I guess twelve or thirteen or however old I was. I re- like I had a, I was a smart kid and and I picked up on things like I do now as an adult. Like I question things that other people don't. And you remember the supermarket scene? Like I remember thinking back then, this is the only girl that want, that's wondering how this little kid got here. Uh, uh. <laughs> how he got the money and why his mom let him go shopping at such a young age anyway. She's the only one that thought this is a little wonky. I don't remember the supermarket scene. He he needed to get food and he got like eggs and milk and he's and then the girl at the uh, the, the cashier is like Oh, the sick, the young the teenager that yeah. was like chewing her gum. Yeah. Yeah. Where's your mom at? And I, I forget uh. what he says, but she's the only one that raised an eyebrow about <laughs> this little kid that's floating around a store with money. So 
Do you think that was like some deep thought that they had when making the film that it was like only everybody else is so busy with their life that only a fellow young person can recognize, you know, where their world is so much smaller can recognize that? If it was, it was accidental. I think Mm. that some movies in history have been Mm -hmm. that thoughtful and uh, symbols of what's happening in life, but not nearly what those things are today. It reminds me, like it reminds me of like in English class when you got a book and you're reading the book and then the professor is trying to get you to think deeper into like what it actually meant. Like what was it a metaphor for? What you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like maybe that's that. Maybe that's a hidden hidden gem that we didn't think about. I always I always struggled in school with geometry and more advanced math, like. I was I was hanging on to dear life in algebra two. It was I was just trying to. I would always start out the year strong, and then as things got more challenging in math, like I was holding on <laughs> to dear life for that B because my dad did not like C's, um, and I think most Ooh. of the time I made it. I can't remember how I made it through my uh, my advanced English classes because. You know me. I'm I'm very literal. No joke would go over my head. I would catch it. I would so catch it. All those novels that we would were forced to read: The Great Gatsby, Scarlet Leather, Wuthering Heights, Animal Farm. I took them at face value, and I was utterly lost in those classes. So I I first of all same in high school. I failed math once, and I had to retake it. I still graduated on time, though. Don't know how I managed that. Um, and in English and in college, I failed math three times, three, the same class, three times. So, and the, I was an adult learner. It's not like I was like 18, like I, I was a solid 23. <laughs> so I, I mean, I am not ashamed to say it. And in English, I don't like to read. Uh, I, I mean, I do like to read, but unless it's interesting stuff. So I didn't like to read. So all of high school, all the books that I was supposed to read in English, I never, I didn't read one, not one. Good job. And I managed to pass somehow. I was very mediocre in everything in high school except history and current events. I was in honors classes for all of those things because that's what I was good at, (laughs) ironically, and that's what I enjoy in my adult life. And the same in college. In college, I took a literature course and I literally went to my mom and I propositioned her and I was like, yo, you like to read. I don't like to read. How about you read my books and then I will come together with you at the end of the book and do the book, the damn book report. And that was exactly what we did. (laughs) Bless her heart. I don't know how she, I was also working full time, but I was like, mom, I essentially need you to take this class for me. So she would read the books, and if there was a discussion that I needed to post, I would go over to my mom's, okay, what do you think about this? What was the foreshadowing with this? What was the metaphor? <laughs> and then mom, she, she, I would go over there, and like I would have to do like 12-page papers on these things, and I would write them. I would still write them, but my mom would be the one like next to me on the couch like telling me what happened. <laughs> I think I did... I, I used uh, the Cliff Notes. What do they mm-hmm. call them? They're Spark Notes now. It's the same yep. thing. Uh, those were lifesavers for me. And I think English was the only class where I tried to pay attention and socialize with people mm-hmm. in groups or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I would 
try to like just eavesdrop on their conversation and pick up just enough to to get what I needed done because I don't remember how I made it through those classes at all. I was just like you, like utterly lost. I mean, I, when I say I was average and mediocre in school, like I was absolutely that kid when I was younger where I was like, I don't understand why I don't understand. My mom was absolutely that person that was like, if you have two apples and four oranges, how many fruit do you have? And I'm like, eight. (laughs) We were absolutely that family. And I was in school. I didn't understand. So I was more social and I got into sports. I did have to be eligible. So I, I maintained a C average at best so that I could still play. And that was just my life until I got into my mental health courses in college. And then it was like, so when I was in graduate school, I had to tell them, I was like, listen, don't judge. Cause I didn't get in right away. They, I had to like do an essay and I was like, don't judge me based on the courses that do not reflect my current interests and career goals. Makes sense. I said, if you look at my, you know, I found my purpose when I began this. And from that point on, I got straight A's. So if you, you know, maybe at some point, uh, there'll be an algorithm. I I guess this would be far in the future. And I realize that you have to learn things you don't like to, to shape your brain so you can learn how to think critically, but it would be interesting if you made it to a certain level where there could be like an algorithm where, you know, you mark down your interests and what you're trying to accomplish. So you, if you get a lousy grade in something else that doesn't really interest you, but you have to take it somehow Mm -hmm. that's factored into the overall grade. Uh, You know, and I, I think it, they like reflect on hard work, you know, especially now where it's like, well, did you take it serious? And I, I, ironically, when you're a student, I feel like you're so bogged down with classes and homework. It's, it's too much. Like I still feel like school is too much, even when it's your only job. Like even when you're that student where it, in college, all you have to do is go to school or in high school, literally all you have to do is go to school. I mean, in my world, that was never the case. I always had to work. Like I had been working since I was 15. Um, but it's it was it's too much. Like I feel like I, they're even com- talking about like, are they going to school too early in the morning? Are they getting enough rest, rest to be able to function? It, it's just, you know, it's a lot. And while I don't have a solution, you know, I am one of those people where I'm like, it's overwhelming. And it's just a general expectation to just be overwhelmed because you're a kid and you don't have any other worries or concerns or things that you need to be doing. And it and it's so indicative of your future, you know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, it's it's just like, how is this even fair? <laughs> I see I have I have no opinion because I, I'm not a parent and I'm not close to kids, so I, I don't understand what they deal with. Um, next thing. I know that this year has seemingly dragged on forever. Uh Oddly enough, this, this summer seems to have flown by for me. Oh, uh, absolutely. But it, it does seem like Katy Perry has been pregnant since California Girls or uh, like yeah. a long time. So <laughs> she and Orlando Bloom, their their daughter popped out. Her name is Daisy Dove Bloom. And she's really? been foreshadowing the name all along because the last single of hers, which was uh, yet uh, yet not another hit, um, uh, was was called daisies so they're they're proud parents and they actually good for them they um, use their their daughter's birth to speak out and be activists for um, uh, 
mothers and children who have uh, inability to access proper health care and mm. medical care. So good for oh, them. That's nice. yeah. I, um, I, you know, that's Daisy is not on the stranger end of kid names. It's pretty like it's pretty OK. But I think it's really funny that not, you know, good for Katy Perry. But like if this was Beyonce and she was foreshadowing her baby's name. We would have known it by now because everybody would have been yeah. trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, Katy Perry doesn't have that kind of fan base. The, the same thing happens with Taylor Swift. So, I, true, true. Uh, she drops those Easter eggs and, and whatnot. Um, Amelia Clark. Yeah, what you watch. You I watch Game her. of. You watch Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, she. The headline said that she says there's a, there was a double standard on the set of Game of Thrones, and I immediately thought very. Generally, I'm like, well, yeah, life is is double standards, and I'm not talking about like the the racial stuff that we've already dealt with. Um, mm-hmm. my perfect example is here in this building. Uh, Denny can get away with a lot more than I can get away with, and I, I, it's not right, but this is how the world works. Uh, it's not as egalitarian as you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't that wasn't her thing. Well, it was in a way. She said when they were shooting a lot of the winter scenes, I guess like wall stuff for uh-huh. uh, for John and, and those uh-huh. guys, when they were draped with those heavy winter coats, sometimes they were shooting in, in the middle of heat and where they would go to escape, there would be some kind of cooling machine that kept them comfortable. Whereas uh-huh. her and some other women who were doing the same didn't have that same machine to keep them cool. So they were basically sweating and melting away. And... Um, while I just said, you know, I'm I'm completely understanding that double standards exist for different calibers of people. Mm-hmm. From nearly the outset of that show, she was a star, so she deserves right. star, star treatment, which means air conditioning. Right, right. And if she only wants red M and M's, you only give her red M and M. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, I, I mean, I don't see where there's a double standard though, because it's like. I think she was talking about the men. The, oh. the guys were the guys oh. were cool, and some of the women were not. Interesting. I mean, I would. How did she handle that? Did she say if she said anything, or if she addressed it, and then the next day she had a cooling station? Um, hold on. Let me see if I can pull this up real quickly and grab the. The guys in the Night's Watch, Jon Snow, are wearing a woolly mammoth all the time. When we were shooting things in a hot country, when they had all those things on, they had this pump, and it had its own little generator attached to the costumes. They used uh-huh. it to pump cold water into these pipes and cool them underneath. So kind of like a, a mascot's costume. You know, yeah, like yeah, mascots, yeah. they stuff them with ice. Uh, girls weren't allowed that. All I could get back... All I could get was the back of my wig to be lifted up. It's too hard. I've got a wig on. They don't make cold packs, you know. Um, you put ice packs on yourself. So I get it. There's costume differences. Right. Uh, but they probably, so you're talking what, 2011, 12, and we've come a long way with, come a long way, not where we need to be in eight or nine years, but she was by all means, maybe even a bigger star than Jon Snow. I think she was. I think she was like the star. Well, at the start of that show, I think she was. I think, I think she was. You think Uh, so? I think so. Maybe, maybe they were equal, but we didn't know Ned Stark was going to lose his head unless you read the books. Yeah, okay. But uh, there was some definitely something about her. It wasn't the nudity. There was something ab- about her 
that that screamed star. Maybe it was her her hair or something. But she I think did- it was just her character. I think she got like she the character she got casted in, and the darlingness of like how um, Daenerys like kind of grew in the hearts of people. Um, I think they, they, I think it was just, I think she was set up that way to, to become like America, not America, the world's darling, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, because that's how, that's what, that's how her storyline was going. You loved her and cause you hated, cause that was what we did for all the Game of Thrones characters. Basically like we hated Joffrey, you know, Joffrey was not loved. Oh, so yeah. he was not then famous. Right. <laughs> like, Who, you know, this is a, a discussion from years past, but we never had a, good game of thrones talk who is your who do you find who on the show did you find to be most despicable uh i think three you mentioned one another one comes to mind and then i'm thinking of the last person's name yeah three there's three despicable regulars on that show for me um who who did you find the most disgraceful and despicable and and one that made your stomach burn in anger Ramsey. Yeah, that's Ramsey. that was the one. Because of how he treated poor Theon, right? Oh, uh, I mean, how he treated Theon, how he treated Sansa, like his arrogance with, um, um, Jesus, why am I drawing a blank? He killed his, his dad, name? right? He killed his dad. He was very arrogant with Jon Snow. I mean, he raped Sansa, like, just a brutal. Uh, he didn't he rip the fingers off of somebody like he literally he, ripped the, who he, was he to, theon he, he was torturing he, theon it's called flaying i, yeah. I look this up you yeah, it's, it's when your it's when your fingernails are ripped off but i i thought it's also when you rip the skin from your bone could be could be it certainly looked and then after he got his dick chopped off uh he, yeah. he ate a hot dog or a, a he was just disgusting i mean even when he had theon like run for his life only so he could hunt him like it was just i there joffrey could never like because he was just like a spoiled kid i mean he was sadistic because he also like got that big gun and was shooting girls with it like naked girls with it i i cut him some slack though because his parents are related and doesn't incest fuck up your dna (laughs) yeah it does okay so i i cut him a little bit of slack um, for that, but, yeah. but Ramsey definitely, and and I'm I'm sure you can relate to this when he the, to what you just um, said when he let Theon run and he let Theon think he was helping him and he winds right. up back in the dungeon, mm-hmm. like the mental anguish that Theon mm-hmm. felt with that, like that mm-hmm. that hit me right there because I could feel like the the mental anguish and psychological trauma from that must have been so painful. It was, yeah, and it was like, you know, it reminds me of, and I'm sure I, this is so irrelevant compared to like the largeness that was Game of Thrones, but we actually rewatched, um, Thomas had never seen the Hunger Games. Okay. Um, and I read the books and watched the movies. And so we watched the movies, and um, I remember in the Hunger Games, the tracker jackers and how you could be conditioned to like kill based on like how you were tortured with tracker jackers. And it's kind of the same thing. It was like, he was torturing Theon. So Theon was terrified. Like he didn't even trust, you know, he, he, he literally like tricked him into running away yeah. only to then go hunt him. It, it's just brutal. And obviously like Cersei was a close second. I, I feel like it's Ramsey, Joffrey, and then Cersei. I have one. And to me, Cersei was just, that was, that was 
survival for her. Not that I, again, condone so much of what she did, mm-hmm. but uh, she she had issues as well, so I, I let her. But for me, it's Ramsey, and then number two, Walder Fry. Fry. <laughs> who was part of the, the mastermind behind the Red Wedding. Yeah. And he had done something else. Oh, that was so brutal. Nearly as awful, but I think it was his his smugness during the yes. red wedding where he just kept eating. That guy plays the that kind of character all the time and it cracks me up like disgusting old man that like chews with his mouth open and food yeah. comes out and somebody's feeding him at the same time. I that I I thoroughly enjoyed like when Thomas had watched Game of Thrones after I did. I got him hooked to it. So it was I it, my entertainment was watching his reactions at every step, you know, at every step. I we're doing it now with Shameless because I've watched Shameless, but he's never seen Shameless, so I enjoy how much he enjoys it. But um, it's just oh, Game of Thrones. I was sad when that went when it went off. All right, one more thing, last thing. Um, Already? Oh, yeah, sorry, it, it, we're, we were rolling here. Um, so OnlyFans, one person broke it. Um, Cardi B. Well, no, and she, and I, it's mostly because she said, uh, "I'm not going to show my pussy. I'm not going to show my ass. I'm just going to give you real talk." And I'm like, "Wait yeah. a second, shame I can, on me." I can just see that on your social media. I would not pay you, so I'd want to see the other stuff. So what- I heard she said she was going to give like all the tea, like she was going to give information that norm people don't normally have. And that's Maybe. what people would pay for it. Maybe, but I mean, don't you get enough of that from her on on on, on everything else? It's not like she holds. It's not like she, or if she gives you anything, mm-hmm. it might not be as much as you'd hope for. Yeah, yeah, but shame on shame on me for thinking she was like busting it wide open because right. of the 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 image she creates for herself. I that's need to check myself. For what that. I thought. I mean, she was a stripper before or a prostitute. She was. Yeah, she was a stripper. Yeah. Uh, no, it was Bella Thorne. Mm. Oh, why did she show her butt? I don't know. That's what I want to know. Bella Thorne is really provocative. Like, she got... Yes. She is, like, um, not X-rated. Well, maybe she is on OnlyFans. She is, like, a rated R version of Chrissy Teigen, where if you're going to duel with them on social media, they will come back at you. And then after they throw the nuke, they'll walk away from it. But, um, yeah, she's stood up for herself. I think when when her her nudes got hacked or something, so Mm -hmm. good for her. But she's 22, 23 years old. She got on there, and then in a very short period of time, as soon as she got on, the OnlyFans servers went down, and she has also accumulated two million dollars she she is one of those girls that came out of like she came up with kylie jenner so she was doing that's what i remember about bella thorne because i was really shocked at how like provocative she was being because she's i remember her from the adam sandler movie blended (laughs) and i was like this is the this is you know this is that sweet girl from blended I was shocked to see her in her personal life. It's like, she's like ass out, you know, showing everything, you know, but the kitchen sink, um, at 19 years old. Um, but you know, whatever, but that, so that does not shock me because she is, she has become really provocative. And, you know, I had a conversation with one of my girlfriends about this yesterday because I reflected on how I responded to like Billie Eilish on the last podcast and I'm like she did it to herself and I literally had to like take a step back and call one of my girlfriends and I'm like am I victim blaming (laughs) 
like, you know what I mean? Like, am I, did my, you know, 1990s, like, dad, dad opinion step in before my, like, we have the right to do whatever we want opinion? And she's like, yes. I, this is a larger discussion for another time, but I, I don't think highly of the of the victim victim blaming mindset. I right. think it's a it's a very complex thing in reality, and, and the phrase doesn't give it enough credit because there are things that for for good and bad that you bring on yourself. You you do, and but to, so like long story short, good for her for you know whatever she did to break up. Uh, only fans and if that's going to be her bread and butter because i feel like she's not the greatest she doesn't have the greatest opportunity as an actress she clearly there's already somebody that's that's hitting the market like kylie jenner that has kind of taken over so you know she would only be second fiddle to somebody like that for other things so like get in where you fit in i suppose so good for her well it's it, i don't know if only fan, and only fans is has not hitched hit like critical mass yet but I, I think most people have most people in our circle know what it is and know what it's about and forget agree disagree with it uh um i wonder i don't think it would be as popular as it is if not for the pandemic because i know some people mm-hmm. who have tapped into it because their finances have been smashed during all of this mm-hmm. so they're like fuck it i got this you know what i've been sending out all these nudes to people now they're gonna pay for them i've i know a couple people who have created an only fans account and i don't Obviously, like, I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't uh, do my research on that, but I'm like, hey, good for you if that's what you want to do. Right. Um, I know it's, there's like a lot of uh, porn stars and strippers on there, but mm-hmm. it, it, it has kind of um, democratized uh, uh, sexuality. And I, mm-hmm. I got no problem with that because, you know, maybe you upload your video somehow to Pornhub or whatever. I, I don't know. I've given this a little bit of thought, not a lot. And I don't think you can monetize that. But with OnlyFans, no. you absolutely can. So good yeah. for you. Yeah, you, you're like taking it in. It's like the Etsy of... of uh... Yes! <laughs> and in, I'm not going to go any further than this, but it, it, some of our... Uh, non-judgment or agreement with what these people do goes back to the discussion we had on the phone last week about what we both agree about that people overlook in a discussion that I will never talk about publicly. (laughs) Did you come to that conclusion then that you're never going to talk about it? I can't do it. Not now. Not now. People just don't understand it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Especially when people are are like, they have all their, they're ready to roll their sleeves up and fight against it. So, you know, in a, in a way that isn't productive. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw this out there. Uh, there is a very... Prov- Do you ever come uh, come across on my Facebook page a Mordecai Darwish? Oh, yeah. I've seen that. Modi is a childhood friend of mine. We grew up playing baseball together, and we've reconnected over Facebook. Obviously, he is a extreme right-wing, hoax-loving lunatic, and he's Israeli. Is he a libertarian? No, he's Israeli and he thinks he uses libtard and snowflakes and all that stuff. So there's a weird dichotomy there. And I I just take it with a smile because he's just trying to be provocative. He probably believes some of this stuff. But um, I like talking sports with him and some things like that. I think he posted something today about some San Francisco politician trying to adjust some uh, sex crime laws. But a friend of mine pointed out that 
they're trying to be adjusted so that if a 16 and a 14 year old exchange nudes, they don't get labeled as uh, sex predators for the rest of right. their life. Right. So, right. And that's Which all. I think is, is a good, good, good idea. Right. But um, that, that was actually who you remember in the last podcast and I'll, and, and then we can finish my, I was telling you about the disagreement I had on Facebook. Same thing. A kid I went to elementary school with that I'm Facebook friends with is now like this, conspiracy theorist like libertarian he thinks he's an independent thinker he thinks everybody's like sipping the tea where i'm like no bro that's you (laughs) you know and he's he's like he is now an um intuitive healer so he thinks he's like a life coach and like he healer i guess and i'm like oh okay it's called snake oil (laughs) well and he smoke he like has his he has a uh, face a separate page like he has like a business page where he doesn't do anything but smoke weed and like give reviews on weed and he does it every day and like lives the high life and literally literally yeah awesome um plans for later or we- weekend plans um Thomas and I are both off today uh, we have to go to Michigan to handle some arrangements because Thomas's mom passed away this weekend. Yeah. Sad stuff. I'm sorry that I confused your text. I had missed the part where you had said um, that you had both, both lost parents. And if I, when I did read it, I thought you might've been speaking like uh, figuratively because she was on life support. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, titty talk tomorrow and uh, I will, uh, I'll text you later. Well, good. We'll have fun with Titty Talk tomorrow. I'll tell Bethany I said hi. When's her baby due? I don't know, but I said to Floyd the other day, did you see her wheeling Gus around in the stroller? Yeah. I was like, are you really sure you want to have this kid? Because there's no way you're going to treat it better than than you treat the dogs. I've seen a ton of like families who have kids and then the dogs become like second fiddle. Not happening there. Not saying that that's going to happen with Bethany, but... It's going to be interesting how her dogs respond to the kid. They might, it might be like a, cause it'll be a baby and they can grow with it. The dogs might like take take it on as their, as part of the pack. <laughs> I, I know that, that mom DNA is, is something that I'm, I'm never going to grasp, but I just don't know if that mom DNA will fully take her over and that the, the child won't be third behind Gus and Tucker. Uh, I don't know. I think it'll be an equal. Again, I think she'll treat her kids like a pack. So like when it's time to, um, feed the kid did she name her she yes i don't and i keep asking her if she's changed she hasn't announced it publicly and i mentioned to her what what you said i said so uh you'll treat them all as one like gus tucker child it's time to go out and then they'll all run out into the so the kid will think it's a dog i can imagine like the i can imagine the the two dogs are sitting down waiting for their food and little baby is sitting on the floor next to them in their diaper like looking up at mom like ready to eat like a cartoon like i feel like i've seen this a cartoon before where there was a kid that was like a animal <laughs> yeah yeah you know? it's gonna think it's a dog so okay yeah. fair point awesome all right well i will text you i'll text you later on today okay bye all right that's a good enough bye from alex to uh, wrap up today thank you for being here